Welcome, welcome, geeks and nerds, girls and boys, to a brand new edition of Geek to Me Radio. Tonight, we have actors Lee Rodriguez and Ramona Young talking about the brand new season of Never Have I Ever, their fourth and final season coming out on Netflix later this week. After that, we'll have writer Alex Segura talking about his new Spider-Man book from Marvel. All that and more, stand by. We're talking TV, comics and movies, and video games. Star Trek and Star Wars will try to explain There are 12 doctors for Hogwarts houses One ring rolls and more To be the greatest Pokemon master You must catch them all You must catch them all Driving around the greater St. Louis area tonight, hearing us on the big 550 KTRS. Hello to you. Thank you for tuning in. If you're streaming us out there in the world in the KTRS app or on the website, hello to all of you as well. No video tonight. My executive producer, Joey V, is at the Shania Twain concert. Hopefully he's enjoying that. And if any of you are on your way back from the concert, maybe you're left a little early. Hello to all of you. Thank you for listening. And of course, as always, if you're hearing us after the fact in the podcast form on whatever platform you might be getting your podcasts, we thank you for finding us there. And hopefully by this point you have subscribed, as I often ask you to do. Leave us a nice five-star review. That always helps us out in search engine optimization. And it makes Joey V smile. We like to see him smile. Uh, full show tonight. I've got two great interviews with three fantastic people a little bit later on tonight. We're going to get into my review of Across the Spider-Verse, which came out in theaters this Friday and has taken the box office by storm. So a lot to cover, a lot to talk about. But first, let's go to my first guests. Right now, we're joined by Lee Rodriguez and Ramona Young, two of the very talented actors, part of the great cast of one of the most charming shows you'll now find streaming anywhere. Never have I ever back for the fourth and final season on Netflix, June 8th. Thank you both for your time today. Thanks. That was a great introduction. I know. That was really good. That, I, I, I majored in introductions in college, so I, I'm, I'm kind of proud of it. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Congrats. So with this show, I'm, I'm, this is the fourth and final season. Uh, Fabiola and Eleanor are now seniors. I'm very curious. This is obviously the brainchild of the brilliant Mindy Kaling. I'm curious as to how hands-on she was. And by season four, is this such a well-oiled machine that she's letting everything like, yeah, you guys know what you're doing, do your thing, or is she still kind of in the mix with you? Uh, season four, Mindy Kaling's definitely still around. I think she's super passionate about the show. I think she definitely has a lot of love for Never Have I Ever. So she's very involved. Like she'll visit set. She'll write some of the episodes. She was definitely there for our season finale table read. So I would say Mindy Kaling's um, Mindy Kaling's around. And I'm very curious because we all know Sarah Michelle Gellar famously read for the part of Cordelia before the producers and directors said, no, 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 you're perfect for the part of Buffy. So one of the behind the scenes stuff I always like to find out, did you both end up with the parts for which you originally read? And we'll start with Lee on this one. Uh, yeah, surprisingly. Um, I read for Fabiola through a self tape and, uh, fortunately was able to, you know, stick with my role. Yeah. Cause that happens a lot of the time where you read for another character and then usually they like give you another one. So luckily I got to be able to play Fabiola. And Ramona? Yeah. I, I think I did this audition in person. It was one of the last in-person auditions I did back in 2019 and um, audition for Eleanor. There were a bunch of other Eleanors sitting around and um, went into the audition, came out, really didn't think too much about it. And luckily that was that was it. 
was there a, a sense when you went in the room for this is for both of you too that you kind of walked in you kind of scoped out the competition and did you have like a sense that yeah obviously lee said she did this remotely but ramona do you have that feeling that you went in like yeah I, i'm gonna be the best eleanor here or was it touch and go to the very end um well this was the only audition like usually in auditions for parts you you get like the callback and like the the chem reads and the producers meetings but this one was like a one and go so oh wow i i don't know how i did i i feel like everyone else there did great as well but i don't know there was just (laughs) that magic in the air but i just did better (laughs) (laughs) i did not say that I know self tapes for actors. A lot of them they they like to have that direct feedback. Was it was it hard to do the self tape, Lee? Or are you kind of like, no, self tapes are great. Or do you have a preference one way or the other? I mean, it's always nice to get go in the room and like meet with everyone. But there is a little less pressure when you are doing a self tape because you could kind of um, you know you're you're just not as nervous and you can kind of just play with it and tape it as many times as you want. Um, but I didn't know if what I was doing was right or, you know, I didn't know much about the character. I literally had like two pages of sides. I didn't know much about the storyline. All I really got for like a description of the characters that she dressed like a helpful Honda guy. Um, <laughs> and so I showed up in like a really oversized blue polo shirt that I got at like a thrift store and did the audition. I didn't know if I did it right or not, but, you know, I just... I just did it. Just did the thing and worked out well. And as fans of the show will know, uh, John McEnroe famously does the voiceover, uh, kind of narrates uh, for Davi in this. Do you, if, I don't know if you've asked this question before or if you've had a chance to think about this, if both of you had someone to narrate your own personal lives as Lee and as Ramona, who would you pick to narrate your lives? So, like, this is as our lives in, in real life, correct, right? Correct. <laughs> Ooh. Uh... Should we pick one for each other? Uh, that'd be fun. Yeah. yeah, we can do that. Um, Lee, I I weirdly want to hear Tyra Banks narrate your life. <laughs> I'm absolutely sad. That's so funny. <laughs> okay, let me think. Let me think. I really want to pick someone good. Um, I would pick probably... Budgesicles. Okay, let me think. I'm thinking too hard on this. Okay, 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 okay. Seriously, um, I would probably pick like, uh, what, what's her name? Uh, Aubrey, Audrey, Audrey, Aubrey oh, Plaza. Aubrey Plaza. Aubrey Plaza. Yes, I would love to see that. <laughs> she does narrate my life internally, uh, to myself. Good. And the show, I, one of the things I love is the, the wardrobe that all you have. And I know, Ramona, you've especially, as Eleanor, got some fantastic outfits. I'm very curious if both of you feel comfortable answering this. It's the fourth season. The show's now, you know, retired. Did you both get to hang on to anything from the set? In Ramona's case, some outfits. Lee, was there anything you picked out? You're like, I'm taking this with me? Or is that, or are neither of you that kind of sentimental person? Uh, we, go no. ahead, Lee. <laughs> Oh, should I go? Sure. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, I definitely always had moments where I was like, oh, I want to take this. I want to take this. There were so many, like, clothing items that I really wanted to take, um, but never ended up actually taking. Um, but I did leave with a nice little first place Fabiola trophy. Very cool. And Ramona? Yeah. I, I'm kind of on the same boat. There were so many things, and... And when you, like, work on an awesome set, like, you know, they, like, tailor the clothes so they fit just you. So in my head, I was like, all right, I'm going to take this. and Because <laughs> what else are you going to do with all this clothes that just right. fits me? But then I ended up not taking any clothes, but I stole a backpack. <laughs> so you'll have that little memento from the set. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I don't want to keep you too much longer. You've got a lot to do still, but I want to ask, I know with me, I lost my father at a very young age. So I had that immediate connection with Davy's character. What is it about your characters, Fabiola and Eleanor, that you hope the audience really connects with? And we'll start with Ramona on this one. Um, I, I mean, I personally relate to Eleanor a lot. Like I, I come from like a, a family that with, 
that had divorced parents. And so I didn't really grow up with like two stable biological parents who raised me. And then on top of that, like the struggling and the striving to get involved into something creative and artistic um, while being Asian American was a was a big part of my life, as I'm sure it is with Eleanor. And Lee? Uh, I mean, I relate to Fabiola in many ways, but I also don't relate to her in many ways when it comes to like how she dresses and um, like and uh, like how she's really into like robotics, all of that. I and she's really good at school, which I was I, I could do none <laughs> of those things. But I relate to her in a way where, you know, not really knowing how to navigate um, in the queer community and not really knowing you know, how you fit in and don't, not really feeling like you fit in. Um, but also, you know, dating and like how awkward it can get sometimes. Um, or even like just trying to figure out where to go to school, what you want to do after high school. Um, so I've, I've found myself relating to Fabiola in, in many different ways. And my final question for both of you, it's been a fantastic cast to watch all of you, uh, Darren and Benjamin and Megan, everybody come together. I can only imagine you guys have a great time filming. My question is, there's always one. Who is the biggest prankster of the cast? I feel like it's me and Ramona. I feel like it's <laughs> us. Yeah. We always do silly little things. There's just one time and they still don't know who it was, but we left little sticky notes on everybody's uh door trailer and we had really cheesy dad jokes written on the sticky like oh my god like who who did this and it was it was just really silly and And we kept up the jokes for like a long time like weeks and weeks and then every time we would put up jokes we would instigate like who do you think did that and then like it would just be a weird conspiracy on set So I'm talking to the culprits right now. The biggest the biggest pranksters on set are Lee Rodriguez and Ramona Young. Uh, again, you can catch Never Have I Ever, the fourth and final season on Netflix as of June 8th. Thank you both very much for your time today. It's been a pleasure. Hopefully we can have you back on to talk about some of the other great projects that you two have worked on. Thanks, awesome. James. Thank you. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. And I need to get them both back on. Uh, Ramona's been in some great projects, like she was K on Z Nation. Uh, she was Ramona in Santa Clarita Diet, and then she played Mona Wu in Legends of Tomorrow from DC, which I that show is highly underrated. I really wish they would have been able to come back for one more season of Legends of Tomorrow, but uh, with everything in flux at the CW now, maybe it's for the best. Who knows? Uh, but yeah, if, you, if you've never seen Never Have I Ever, as I told... Um, Paul Sun Young Lee when I had him on there's there's five or six charming shows that are streaming right now Kim's Convenience featuring Paul Sun Young Kim is one of those shows Never Have I Ever is another one it's just one of those really great shows you can sit down and watch with a family um it's it's I see elements of Three's Company in this harmless kind of, uh, you know, you know the stakes are never super high, but when you're in high school, everything feels like the stakes are super high, and they do such a great job of presenting it, and you really feel like you're in the shoes, you feel so bad for Davey, and you kind of want, you know, you're rooting for Fabiola, and it's it's a really great cast and a really good show. So if you haven't checked it out yet, the final season of Never Have I Ever drops on Netflix June the 8th. So you've got a couple days left. You can binge the first three seasons, and they are incredibly bingeable as well. That's a, It's a great series. Uh, the first three seasons were a complete blast, and I'm looking forward to how they wrap it up for season four. Speaking of wrapping it up, we're going to take a quick commercial break. Once again, no video tonight as Joey V is at the Shania Twain concert. We appreciate you tuning in and listening, though, with your ears. Or we're, we're throwing it back to old school radio. You're listening to Geek to Me Radio on the Big 550 KTRS. Please stand by. Hi, this is Robert Hayes. And surely you can't be serious, but you are listening to Geek to Me Radio. We are back. Geek to Me Radio heard every Sunday night live here in St. Louis on the Big 550 KTRS. If you're streaming us, then it's 10 o'clock Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific, wherever you might be streaming us from, if that helps you on the uh, time zone scale. 
Of course, we bring you a live show every week covering the world of pop culture, featuring uh, anything from movies, TVs, comic books, and video games. I'm your host, James Enstall. want to make sure we tell you about our premier sponsor. These are the people without whom we would not be on the air. Uh, I started this show in August of 2016. And I went to some people, and the first people I went to were the people who run the Greater St. Charles Convention and Visitors Bureau. And I said, hey, I got this radio show. Love to have the city as a sponsor. Without hesitation, they said yes. And they've been part of the show, sponsoring me ever since. I can't tell you how much that means to me, but that's one of the ways when you forge these great relationships, and I've had a great relationship with the city now for uh, coming on up on 25 years. It's hard to believe it's been that long, but it's a great place to visit. If you've not been there, I mean, I can't, t- I can't say enough great things about what they, they just had 636 days going on uh, in Frenchtown. They closed down part of the street. They had live music. They had local businesses out there. Uh, ran into my, uh, made some new friends who uh, are setting up a bourbon shop right there on 2nd Street, which is going to be fantastic. Shout out to them. Uh, they, I can't wait to see what they open in September, what they're going to do with that location. Uh, if you're looking for food, if you're looking for a gift idea, if you're wanting some new shopping, or if you just want to get out and have some fun, Check out the city of St. Charles. There's always something going on down there, whether it be a festival like the one I just went to, 636 Days, uh, 90s Night at the Foundry. They've got food and drink all up and down the street. Any kind of taste you might want. If you're not sure what you want to eat for dinner one night, go take a walk along North and South Main Street, and you're bound to find something. It's be like, oh, yeah, this, this sounds good. Let's go in here and grab some food. Um, this entire area is made up of small businesses, and in this economy, it's more important than ever that we support small businesses. So if you're in the area... If you're in the greater St. Louis, St. Charles area, maybe you haven't been there for a while. Maybe you go there all the time. Go check them out again. It's always something fun. There's always something new to see in St. Charles. If you're from outside the greater St. Louis, St. Charles area, maybe you're listening right now and you're you're up in Des Moines, Iowa, like Outdoors Dan is. Maybe you're uh, on the West Coast. I was just talking to Yuri Lowenthal and uh, was talking to him about having him on the show. Maybe you're on the West Coast. Maybe you're on the East Coast. Who knows? Wherever you are, plan your trip. Start at the website, discoverstcharles.com. That's discoverstcharles.com. Go there, look around, see what they've got going on. Plan your trip, whether you're wanting to stay in a uh, four-star hotel, whether you're wanting to maybe get in an RV and drive and camp out, whether maybe you want to go camping, maybe you want to stay in a bed and breakfast. Always something going on, always a great place to stay, great food to eat, great things to see in St. Charles. Once again, that website, whether you're local or not, check out the website to plan your trip, Discover St. Charles. Charles.com. That's discoverstcharles.com. As we always say, it's an historically good time. Since Across the Spider-Verse just came out this week, and I thought it'd be a good time, a little earlier this month, I talked with Alex Segura, a fantastic writer and author. He's got a brand new book out, and we're going to chat a little bit about that right now. Right now, we're talking with author of a brand new book. If you're a Marvel fan, if you're a Spider-Man fan, you're going to want to get your hands on Arana and Spider-Man 2099 Dark Tomorrow by Alex Segura. How are you? Good. How are you? Thanks for having me. Of course. I appreciate you having the time. I know we followed each other on Twitter, and I always watch the stuff you're putting out, and it's like, man, this guy is just on fire all the time. And now you've (laughs) got this book, which is, I'm a huge Spider-Man fan, so I was so excited to sit down and read this one. Uh, if you would, talk a little bit about how you got attached to the project. Did you pitch it to Marvel? Did Marvel come to you and say, hey, we'd like you to do this? How did this work out? Yeah, I mean, we were we were chatting. I did a book for Disney Books, Poe Dameron, Freefall, uh, under Lucasfilm. And um, obviously, I've been in comics for a long time. And so we went back and forth on characters. And, and uh, what was really intriguing, I think, to everyone was the idea of pairing Aranya and Spider-Man 2099, who are... The two of the more prominent Latinx spider heroes, but also an interesting pair just unto themselves because they're in such different places in their superheroing career. So um, I think we all thought that it would be a fun contrast and also make for a really fun, just a uh, high octane adventure, I guess. Now, I remember picking those up off the stand. I was in, uh, I, I can't remember what year of high school I was in when Spider-Man 2099 and that whole universe launched with Doom 2099 and Ravager 2099 and everything like that was coming out. Were you a big fan of those books prior, or did you have to do a little bit of research into digging into these two characters before you took on the project? Oh, I was a huge Spidey 2099 fan, and later at Anya, but... Um... The idea of seeing, you know, seeing Miguel, another uh, Latinx Spider-Man, was mind-blowing for me as a kid. Just 
you know, there's a great sense of identification when I was reading that book. And so um, it kind of feels a little full circle to come around now as a writer and craft this story where, you know, they've interacted before in like Spider-Verse adventures and the comics and other places, but um, this is really their first meaningful one-on-one adventure. And that felt like really a nice, nice place to, to add to the big, big mythos, I guess. And it's great with, obviously, the new Into the Spider-Verse movie coming out on June 2nd. Uh, Dan Slott and Mark Bagley on their Spider-Man book have been cranking out Edge of the Spider-Verse stuff. It's so cool to see all these different iterations. And the only thing I really think is in comparison is like Batman Incorporated. But I think Spider-Man, there's something about this everyman character we've had around since, you know, the early 60s that resonates with so many people. And then having all these different iterations, after a while, it almost gets confusing to keep track of them all. Um, what are some of your favorite Spider-Man versions out there in the multiverse? Uh, there's so many, so many great ones, and they all are super compelling. But obviously, Miguel, Spidey 2099, Aranya, Miles Morales is huge, Ghost Spider. I love the classic original Peter Parker Spider-Man. That was my first exposure to superheroes. Uh, Spider Punk is a lot of fun. I like <laughs> Spider UK. Um, I love Mayday Parker, uh, the MC2 Spider Girl. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's just so many. I love Madam Web, you know, the classic Jessica Drew Spider Woman. Um, it's really, I could go on. We could just be here all day talking about different spider versions. And when you read this, uh, when the book starts out, I, I obviously won't do any spoilers if people want to pick up the book, and they should. Uh, but this kind of starts out with her taking on Stegron, and she's, you know, the typical high school student. And it almost is kind of mimics a little bit of kind of the early days of Peter Parker, which is so cool to see. Uh, you know, we, we now know this established Spider-Verse, but like she says in the opening book, there isn't a rule book that was handed to her when she got these powers. She's kind of learning as she goes, even though we've got established Spider characters. Uh, what do you think about these new characters makes them so compelling, even to an old audience like myself? Well, I think, you know, it just shows you different versions of the classic Spider-Man story or that classic idea of with great power comes great responsibility. And so, you know, Peter Parker is now an adult man, and, and so you don't get those high school adventures anymore. So to be able to revisit them through Anya and Aranya's adventures makes for, you know, it's still a lot of fertile ground to cover in terms of story. And so, yeah, you're totally right. It, 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 those, that moment was evocative of kind of classic Spider-Man storytelling by design. And, but also with a new twist, because Anya is not Peter Parker. She's her own person and has her own personality. And so that was really fun. And, and that kind of goes back to just how I approach things as a writer. Like, what tropes can I flip and tweak and add to? Um, and I think that's really important, especially when writing characters that aren't yours, you know, characters that you're only get, getting to play with for a little while. You know, you want to add something, but also not, not break anything. And there's all these great Marvel contents that are coming out in these book forms. Uh, We just had uh, Mackenzie Lee on a couple months ago talking about Winter Soldier. We had Alan and uh, Alan Grant and Brent Scrunover talking about the uh, Captain America Ghost Army. And now this one's out. When you're tackling a book like this, you've got obviously comic book experience. You've worked on novels. What is it that, as far as making the the genres kind of overlap, is there a certain challenge that you found in taking a comic book property and addressing it into a novel form, or is it second nature? Well, I think the challenge is in comics, it's much more collaborative. You have an artist, and so the artist visualizes your idea and really adds to it. You know, they don't just do your script note for note. They're adding their artistry and craft to it. And it's very much on the page. You see the action on the page. You see the story on the page. Whereas with prose, you're almost collaborating with the reader. You're giving them just enough to create this picture in their mind. And um, it's much more internal. You're getting into the heads of these characters because they're the viewpoint characters. They're kind of describing what's going on around them. So um, I wouldn't say one is more challenging than the other. They're both really interesting in different ways. But um, I also try to write this book so it could appeal to as many people as possible, whether it's a casual reader who is interested because of the movies or something they saw, they want to pick up this book and kind of learn more, or someone like us who's like well-versed in the Spider-Verse and Spider-Characters. It's bloated with Easter eggs for people like that, but it's also, I think, welcoming enough that you don't have to have had a doctorate in, like, comic books to understand what's going on. (laughs) 
if they ever make that degree, I'm going to be the first one to sign up for a doctorate of comic books. That would be great to uh, yeah. get that. Yeah, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> with, with, the, with working on all these different projects, uh, I know, you know, this, this one's just come out. So if people are looking for it again, uh, dark tomorrow, you can get that one. I, we always highly recommend, please, please, please go to your local comic book shop, see if they can order it or your local bookstore uh, before you decide to jump online. That's always the best way to order it if possible. But Arana and Spider-Man 2099 Dark Tomorrow is out. If uh, if you were to do a sequel, would it be something with these two characters? Would you want to do a different Marvel character? Do you have anything already percolating in the back of your mind? I feel like every writer I talk to has a thousand ideas going all at once. I wouldn't be able to keep them all straight. But do you have kind of like either a sequel to this or something else you'd like to put in this kind of form? Yeah, I mean, I'd love to keep playing in this universe. And, I, I, you know, I grew up a, a Marvel reader. I grew up a Spider-Man reader. So, you know, you know, never say never. And I'm always open to stuff like that. So, yeah, I love these characters. And it was it was really a blast and a privilege to to tell this story. So, And I should mention, too, I just found out today that you are also going to be attending TerrificCon in Uncasville, Connecticut. So if anyone's listening, planning on attending that, that's a great place to bring this book along to have, <laughs> to have Alex sign it yeah, so you can meet I him in person. sign it. And then you'll, I assume you'll have copies of this, too, that you'll be selling there, if I, if I imagine correctly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And with working on this book, uh, there's so many different ways to take different Marvel characters. Did they give you pretty much free reign to do whatever you want as other than, like, here's the context with these two characters and they gave you, you know, total control? Or did you have that kind of did they kind of want a certain story to come out of this? How did the collaboration work with Marvel? Uh, it was a pretty vibrant collaboration. It was, you know, we talked about the characters, we talked about the motivations, and I think, you know, whenever you're writing in prose based on stories that were established in other mediums, you know, there's that continuity that you want to respect but not be beholden to. So when you read the novel, it doesn't contradict anything, and it fit, could fit in theoretically into a certain time. But the idea was to make it welcoming and, and conducive to new readers. Um, so, yeah, it was, a, it was a, you know, my experience was really collaborative and fun, and, and it was it was all about, like, what's the best story for these two characters and how can they complement each other to tell a story that really evokes the best of Spider-Man, which is about, you know, accepting responsibility, overcoming the odds to defeat a greater evil, and doing it with, with a little bit of a humorous flair, but also balancing your, your personal and... Uh, personal life with with the demands of being a hero so i hope i think we accomplished it and obviously people who are huge fans longtime fans of marvel like myself will love this this is great for young readers too who might be new to the universe it still kind of explains everything really well what are you hoping that younger readers who this might be their introduction to the spider-man verse or to these characters in particular what do you hope that the younger readers might take away yeah, I mean, I hope younger readers and older readers take away the idea that we should always be open to learning from each other. I think it's not only Anya learning from Miguel about how to be a hero, it's Miguel being reminded by Anya what it takes to be a hero. And um, I, I don't think we, we stop learning at any age. And so the idea of the book, or you know, alongside the adventure and you know, superheroes and action and, and time travel, the core of the book is about learning from each other and being open to that. And with all the different, you know, that we had decades and decades of uh, Spider-Man stories out there, do you remember maybe one or two different Spider-Man stories as a kid that really inspired you, be it a Jerry Conway story, a classic Stan Lee, or something newer from Dan Slott that really, some of those storylines that really resonated with you? Yeah, I mean, the classic Lee uh, Ditko and Lee Romita stuff is great. Obviously, the Master Planner story, which really evokes Spider-Man so well, where he's like lifting the rubble up. Yes. You know, knowing that he's the only hope for Aunt May. I love the Spider-Verse stuff that Dan Slott does. I, I really liked his new arc on Spider-Man with Bagley. Um, one of my personal favorites is Life Story by Chip Zdarsky and, and Mark Bagley as well, which is a kind of an alternate universe story that tells Spider-Man's history in real time. I thought it was really a heartfelt nod to the history of the character in a new way. Um, Jan DeMattis did a really fantastic run with Sal Buscema on Spectacular oh, Spider-Man yeah. that I think is very underrated. And obviously Craven's Last Hunt is, is iconic. Yeah, we've, we've had uh, Jay. And I will, Sorry, go ahead. I will not do the original uh, Spidey 2099 stuff by Peter David and Rick Leonardi, which was a huge influence on this book. Yeah, that's like I said, I remember getting that stuff when it came out. It was fantastic at the time. Those foil and boss stamped covers for the issue number ones of all those, the Punisher and the yeah. Spider-Man everything. Absolutely brilliant stuff. And with 
all this work you've been doing uh, when you're not doing Marvel stuff or comic book stuff or just writing in general, what kind of stuff do you, obviously you're a Spider-Man fan, but what other kind of stuff do you uh, kind of tend to gravitate towards to kind of shut off the writer part of your brain and just kind of consume? What kind of stuff do you look at? Are you streaming shows? What kind of stuff do you kind of take in as a fan yourself? Yeah, I'm a music guy. I listen to a lot of music, uh, whether it's older stuff like Elvis Costello or The Clash or jazz or uh you know, Taylor Swift, you know, more modern stuff. But um, I love music. I like playing music. Um, I wish I had more time to watch television. I, I'll watch, like, maybe a show at a time. I just finished <laughs> up the new Picard season, which I thought was really good. Um, yeah, and um, I, I feel like it, it's a tricky question because as writers we're always absorbing stuff. So I'll be watching a show that has nothing to do with what I'm writing, but then I'll see something and make a note, and it'll affect the work. So I can't say there's ever anything I'm just absorbing for fun. <laughs> And with uh, with the work you've done on these two characters between Orana and Spider-Man 2099, uh, the the newer character, obviously, uh, I feel like from as a layperson, I would think as I'm writing something, I have a little more room to play with. Where someone with Spider-Man 2099 with Miguel, who's been around for uh, 30 years now, there's more established thing you have to kind of be careful with. Did you have that feeling, or was it pretty much? Did both characters, just the way they complement each other, seem to the writing come very easily for both of them? Um, I don't think I could ever say writing comes easily, but there was definitely the idea of what is the the prime version of this character that I want to see in this book. And like I said, it doesn't negate anything. It doesn't doesn't um, uh, cancel out any stories that exist, but it's definitely a version that fits what the story is and, and exists, exists. You know, obviously on, uh, the novel continuity is different from the comics, but... It's, these are these are the recognizable versions of the characters. So, like, Anya's in high school, Spider-Man has just, Spidey 2099 has just taken over Alchemax, and he's reeling from a certain plot point that happens in the comic books. So if you squint and try really hard, you can weave the novel into existing continuity, but you also don't have to bend over backwards to do that. And are you someone who keeps up with current comics, like you're reading like the brand new Savage Avengers stuff by David Peepos, as well as the Dan Slott Spider-Man run? Or are you kind of, like I myself, I've got a short box full of air quote new comics that I'm trying to keep up on? Um, I try to keep up, yeah. I try, uh, you know, I'm excited for the new Avengers run. I've been enjoying the Spider-Man stuff. Uh, I really like Chip Starsky's Daredevil, uh, Kelly, Kelly Thompson's uh, Captain Marvel. Um, yeah, I'm a pretty regular consumer of comics, though, though like you, sometimes there's a backlog and you have to burn through it. As a writer, I, I always ask writers this question because every single writer I've asked has come to the answer differently. Have you, uh, when you experience writer's block, what do you find is the best remedy for it? Yeah, I mean, this is just my opinion and I, I don't want to diminish anyone's experience with writer's block, but I just feel like also sometimes you don't have the you don't have the time to have writer's block. You know, I, I think a lot of times what I do is, you know, I make it as easy as possible to start the work. You know, my, my whatever file I'm working on is instantly accessible when I open my computer. I don't do a lot of, like, pre-writing ceremonial stuff. I don't listen to music. I don't, you know, I just get to the work. And I think if I'm ever hitting a wall, what I like to do is engage with, stories that may, that I enjoy as a fan, whether it's a comic book, um, a novel, a movie, and that really gets gets kind of the, the creative juices flowing. And again, if you're listening, the novel you need to go out and pick up by Alex Segura is Arana and Spider-Man 2099, Dark Tomorrow. Um, if people want to keep up with more of your stuff, is there a website? Obviously, I know you and I follow each other on Twitter, uh, so social media handles, things like that, where people can find you? Yeah, you can find my website at alexsegura.com. I'm on Twitter at Alex underscore Segura. I'm also on Instagram at Alex Segura Jr. And um, I'm also on Hive and Mastodon, but I can't say I, I really, like, keep up with those. It's just more, <laughs> you know, just kind of grabbing the, the tag. But, yeah, Twitter, my website, and Instagram are probably your best bets. And again, it, as soon as you see this book, the gorgeous cover art, you're going to want to pick it up anyway. But then the story, like I said, I, I haven't been able to put it down until I had to pick up the okay. uh, the phone for you to, uh, to, to to talk to you about it. But it's been absolutely brilliant. Like the majority of your work that I've read has been so far. Um, Alex Segura, I appreciate your time today. Thanks so much. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks again. A great guy. And again, I'm looking forward to seeing him at Terrific Con. Uh, coming up in July, get that book signed by Alex Segura. If you haven't uh, checked it out yet, and you, if you're listening online after the fact in the podcast form, scroll down to the bottom of the page, and we'll have a link 
to where you can get his book in the show notes. But obviously, if you're, uh, we always encourage you, please, please, please go to your local bookstore. Or check with your local comic book shop. They might be able to pre-order that for you, or not pre-order, but still order it for you. It's been out, I think, since uh, middle of May. So check that out, and you can uh, get the order in for that through your local comic book store or your local bookshop. If all else fails, like I said, we've got the link to that in the show notes at the bottom of the page. We're going to take another quick commercial break. We're going to come back, and we're going to talk about my thoughts on the brand-new movie Across the Spider-Verse. You're listening to geek to me Radio on the Big 550 KTRS. Please stand by. Hey, this is Yuri Lowenthal, but you may know me recently as Peter Parker slash Spider-Man. And you're listening to geek to me Radio. Welcome back to the show. geek to me Radio, I'm your host, James Enstall. I want to make sure we tell you about our official comic book sponsor. That, of course, is Bugs Comics and Games. Boy, this has been a great month for comic books. I mean, we started out the month with Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 3, and we're finishing up, we're bounding into June here with Across the Spider-Verse, the sequel to Into the Spider-Verse, the animated film. Uh, if you're looking to get into comic books, if you're if you're seeing all these and you're like, what what's all this about? Why don't you go to someone who's going to be able to help you? And that's Larry at Bugs Comics and Games right there on Bryan Road in O'Fallon, Missouri. You can easily access it from either Page or from Highway 70. Go out there, and if you're new to all this, maybe your kids are wanting to go see these movies and you don't know a thing about them, or maybe you like the movies and you're trying to get your kids into it. Either way, take the family out there, show up at Bugs, and say, hey, Larry, we need some help. Uh, Where do we start what are we looking for? And Larry will be your personal concierge for comic books. He'll tell you exactly what uh, might be appropriate for the kids, depending on their age. He'll tell you what you might be wanting to read, some of these essential stories to kind of fill you in on what's happening. And there's all these adaptations of these movies that are being put out in comic book form by the major companies as well. Lots of good stuff. I've t- I took pictures a couple weeks ago of his uh, shop for new comic book day every Wednesday. It's like having a little mini Christmas in the middle of the week. All the new comic books come out. Uh, they're lining the shelves, and you can take your pick from Marvel Comics, DC Comics, Image, uh, IDW, Titan, whatever you're looking for. If you're a Doctor Who fan, Titan has a series of Doctor Who comic books out that are great. Uh, there's basically anything you might want. It'll get you in there, and Larry will teach you exactly how to get into it. If you're looking to sell your collection, maybe you're at that point where it's like, you know what? I've got too much here. I want to get rid of this. I, I can't. I don't anybody. I'm going to leave it to. Nobody wants it. Give Larry a call at Bugs Comics and Games, and he will give you the best price you can get for your comic books. That's why he's always. it's always good to go in there because he's always got new stuff because he's got new inventory coming in all the time. People are selling their collections. And so you might go in one week and uh, find something else. No matter what you're looking for budget-wise, too, he's got comic books from, you know, dollar boxes all the way up to some premium comics behind the glass case. And those are just kind of fun to look at sometimes. And he's like, wow, I used to have that book. Uh, No matter your price point, he can help you out. And speaking of price point, if you want to save some money, join the Avengers Club. And you can start saving money on your back issues, your new issues, your boards, your bags, your games, whatever it is you might want to get at his store. Start saving money while you still enjoy your hobby. Bugs Comics and Games on Facebook. Find the page there and give that a like. I'm sure Larry would appreciate it. I know I would, and I'd be appreciated if you go in and let him know, hey, I heard about your store on geek to me Radio, and I'll come and check you out. Bugs Comics and Games. Very proud to have them as our official comic book sponsor here on geek to me Radio. And speaking of comics, you may have heard a new movie dropped this weekend, Across the Spider-Verse. Absolutely brilliant movie. Um, a few little quibbles with me, but overall, I have to give this one a 9 out of 10. And from what I'm seeing across the board, a lot of my fellow critics and the fans are giving it. It sits at 96% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes right now. In fact, if you've seen it and you want to kind of tell me your thoughts on it, give a little quick one-sentence review or so, you can text me. I'm watching the text right now on the KTRS text lines at 84126. Just say, hi, this is Bill from Kirkwood. Hi, this is Sally from Chesterfield. And here's what I thought of the movie. And I'll give uh, give you a shout-out right here in the air. Great cast. We've got Haley Steinfeld as Ghost Spider, Shamik Moore as Miles Morales. They reprise their roles from Into the Spider-Verse. 
We have Oscar Isaac as Miguel O'Hara, Spider-Man 2099. Uh, Jake Johnson comes back again as Peter Parker's Spider-Man. We've got Brian Terry Henry as Jefferson Davis. We've got uh, Issa Rae as Spider-Woman. Karnan Sony, our friend from Deadpool, we had him on the air. He's there as uh, Spider-Man as well, one of the Spider-Verses. Jason Schwartzman does a great job as The Spot, who's, uh, if you're a fan of Spider-Man comics, you know who I'm talking about. Kind of a mid-tier villain, but some writers lately have ramped him up, and it's kind of cool to see him in animated form here. Uh, great, great cast overall. Uh, a lot of fun to see all these different Spider-Verse. My favorite... The Scarlet Spider, Ben Riley shows up. Not really a big fan of how they uh, treated the character, but that's okay. It's all in good fun. Spider-Punk, though, steals the show. Uh, Daniel, uh, I'm blanking on his last name. Uh, You saw him in Nope. Um, Oh, it's going to come to me. He plays uh, he plays that character. Uh, it's a it's a great bunch of in the cast, and it's uh, just a fantastic movie. The animation style is glorious. You, it's not really like at some points because they do different styles of animation depending on which world they're in, and they give all these great nods to the Spider-Man films and animated series that have come before. So it's really you kind of like it, let it wash over you. But I know we had some people on Twitter chime in and gave their thoughts as well. And I have their tweets here. We have Mr. Tony Nacho said Spider-Man across the or Spider-Man is hands down my favorite superhero. It's hard to come away from across the Spider-Verse without thinking not only is that the best Spider-Man movie I've ever seen, but probably the best comic book movie I've ever seen. That's high praise. Uh, Tony, Mr. Tony Nacho might even say best animated movie. Just so good. We have another listener, Joseph P. Illich says there aren't enough words to describe how good Across the Spider-Verse is. A uh, picture with him in front of the big display they've got when I saw this at the IMAX Marcus at Ronnie's uh, on this, this late, earlier this week, and they had that huge display. I really want to talk to somebody there and see if I can take it home with me. Uh, we also have Eric Ansley Diaz, uh, at Geek Boy Eric, says... Uh, see, the press screening filled the movie with nerds bursting out applause after Across the Spider-Verse is one thing. It's another thing when it's a matinee filled with just regular folks and seeing so many kids and teens dressed as Spidey in the audience uh, just warmed his nerdy heart. And he also mentioned that the, for context, the screening he saw was at AMC Puente Hills Mall, which was formerly Twin Pines Mall from Back to the Future. It's not remotely close to the house, but we had to go there because the movie was sold out literally Everywhere else locally, which is great to see, too. They said that the opening weekend on this, it topped $120 million, So it actually just edged past the opening weekend for Guardians of the Galaxy at this point, Volume 3. And it's on track to be the second highest grossing movie so far of 2023, just behind the Super Mario Brothers movie, which uh, I, it's odd to think that. The best movies that we've seen so far this year have been animated uh, or CGI anyway. But if you saw a Super Mario Brothers movie and uh, you saw Into the Spider-Verse, then you know what we're talking about. Those are really two of the better movies so far this year. I'd put it up there. uh, For me, Spider-Man No Way Home still takes my number one spot for a favorite Spider-Man movie. But doggone it, this one comes in a very close second. Like I said, the animation style is gorgeous. The voiced cast is brilliant. Um, the one complaint I really had was it's part one. So there's going to be a, uh, there's going to be a part two to this and it ends, the movie ends on a cliffhanger, kind of like we've seen before with the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise, uh, the second Matrix movie. We knew we we're going to get those two movies were kind of a two-parter basically for, for those of you who remember the, the original Matrix trilogy. It's kind of like that. And for a movie that we know we're getting parts one and two of, it was Two hours and 20 minutes, which I think some stuff could have been trimmed. I I was looking at it. I'm like, well, you know what? I I can appreciate they're trying to establish his Miles connection with his family. I feel they did a great job of that in the first movie. And a lot of it was kind of treading new ground. Oh, look, he's grown up. Oh, look, he's our our little boy is growing up. They kind of hit it a little too hard on the nose for me. I think I would have liked to have seen. I don't want to say less of his family, but I feel like a lot of the things we get with him and his mom, uh, him and his dad, could have been trimmed down a little bit just to save some room. I also feel like we got a little too much exposition 
about certain part, uh, parts of what's happening. And as much as I loved seeing all of the different Spider-Man and the, there was some laugh out loud moments with the all the Spider-Man when they get to the nexus of the Spider-Verse where all the Spider-Men are hanging out. I feel like a lot of that could have been trimmed down a little bit. You know, throw in a couple jokes here and there. That's great. And the fight scene with Miles and every single Spider-Person went on for way too long. That's another thing that could have been trimmed down drastically. And you kind of get the movie maybe a little under you know, right at two hour mark, maybe a little bit under, because I feel it was just too big and too expansive with it being a two hour and 20 minute movie of which we're going to get part two coming up at the future date. And as far as I know, you can correct me if I'm wrong. uh, We haven't gotten a date for when part two drops just yet. Our friend Max on movies, you're going to hear him coming up here right after I go off the air. So stick around uh, if you're a movie fan. Max has Laura Vandervoot from Smallville. She played Supergirl in Smallville. Uh, He'll have her on his show in the 10 o'clock hour. But I asked him, I said, if you could send me what kind of some quick thoughts so I can relay them. Uh, Max and I very rarely agree on movies. There's a handful out there now, but uh, we both agree that uh, the pros were the animation is just gorgeous on this. Um, Max also appreciated the focus on Gwen and that character. Uh, He liked Miles and his parents, which, again, I loved it. It, You really felt the heart of this movie. I mean, it it tugs at you, but it was just a little too much. We had three or four scenes with him and his mom and dad, and it's like, okay, you could have cut it down a little bit. We get it. Um, And uh, Max also said the score is unbelievable, which I I agree. The music is great. The animation is just, you could just immerse yourself in this movie. I saw it in IMAX, and I got to say, if you're going to see this movie, that's a great way to see it because the visuals are stunning. My wife went with me to the press screening. She hadn't seen the first Spider-Verse movie. She knows very little about comic books, uh, but she goes with me to these things because she loves me. (laughs) And even she said, wow, that, that was a gorgeous movie she she liked it she enjoyed it she wasn't lost so the movie does a great job even if you're not familiar with all the stuff in the spider verse it still is great for the average fan the average you know pedestrian person is looking to see a great movie and also has a lot to offer the spider-man fans the hardcore fans as well for max on movies uh max voise said the cons he agrees with me the movie was too long there's no real ending which again we that's fine there's gonna be a part two coming up and that'll be the ending uh uh, ben Riley mocked, which, <laughs> uh, Max, if you're listening, we both agree there. Scarlet Spider, Ben Riley is one of my favorite characters. I love the Clone Saga, and I think that uh, they, they did Ben dirty in this one, so I got to agree there. And Max says, also, this was not better than the first film. I would have to disagree with Max slightly there. I love the first film. It's a great animated feature, but I think this raised the bar a little bit for this movie. I really think this was uh, one of those movies that... Yeah, I mean, it's not, oh, heads and you know, shoulders above the first Spider-Verse movie, but it is as good, if not, in my opinion, a little bit better. It just, I think, uh, the end of the Spider-Verse movie set the table. This one allows you to begin the feast. It was, it was like I said, visually stunning. The voice cast was on point, and I think it was uh, just a great, just fun box office movie. It had a lot of superhero elements, and again... I'm not alone in my opinion. This brought in 120 plus million for its opening night. And I think if I remember correctly, globally is at 209 million currently for into the spider or across the spider verse, excuse me. So uh, obviously a lot of people are loving this movie and who can blame them. I don't know if you've had a chance to see it or not, but I would highly recommend that you do get out and see it. Uh, There are some spoiler elements, which you know I'm not going to do. I'm not going to spoil the movie for you, especially not opening weekend. But if if you saw it, there's a lot of things to laugh about, a lot of great scenes that it really encompasses. It's a truly encompassing movie for anything that's come before it in Spider-Man lore. Um, Going all the way back to the 60s cartoon series to Spectacular Spider-Man, if you're a fan of that, with uh, Josh Keaton obviously famously doing the voice there. And uh, again, I don't want to spoil anything, but there's, there's a lot of great stuff for the hardcore Spidey fans who have been on this journey since the beginning. Uh, lots of love, and I, I just got to think to myself that Stan Lee is up there with the biggest smile on his face, just saying Excelsior uh, with how well this movie is done. Joaquim Dos Santos, who's no stranger to directing animation, 
uh, did a great job with this one. The voice cast was brilliant, as I've said four or five times, now I'm repeating myself. But I, I can't say enough good things about this movie because it really was that good. So if you get a chance to get out and see it, please do so. And if you want, uh, find me on Twitter at geek to me radio let me know your thoughts just say hey i agree movie was great or hey you know what i disagree i thought you know the first one was better or well this isn't great a lot of people have already been rating their spider-man movies in order and i'm one of those people you know everyone's including the live action with the animation ones that's hard for me to do because as kevin conroy famously said Animation is so much easier because there's so much more you can do than you can in live action. So it's almost like comparing apples and oranges to say across the Spider-Verse is better than Spider-Man No Way Home. Uh, I usually have to separate, like if someone says favorite movie, animated or non-animated because there is a difference to me. If you're going to force me to throw them both into the same category, I would still have to go with Spider-Man No Way Home is my favorite. And then I would say that across the Spider-Verse, I'd have to say this is this might be my second favorite Spider-Man movie if we're combining live action and animation. Those are my thoughts. I'd love to know yours. Again, you can follow me on Twitter at geek to me radio Instagram at geek to me radio uh, If you see me tweeting or posting, jump in. I'd love to interact. I'd love hearing from all of you, the listeners, uh, what your thoughts are and what you think about the stuff I'm talking about. Um, my gosh, I just looked up at the clock, and we're coming up at the end. I'm going to have to hit the buzzer here pretty soon as we uh, play the exit music to get out. It's hard to believe the hour's blown by. Uh, do want to tell you before we leave about Steve's Hot Dogs. Man, they've been busy out there at St. Louis City. He had a bunch of catering events, I know, for Memorial Day weekend last weekend. But it's always great to see them being successful and just thriving. If you've not yet had Steve's Hot Dogs, pop by their location there on Grand. Or if you're going to the St. Louis City, go to the stadium there and you can order from their location right there at the game. It's a great, great hot dog. Uh, I haven't been to the St. Louis City. I've been to the games yet, so I'm not sure if it's a full menu like it is on Grand or if they've got a specialized menu. But either way, you're going to get some great food if you order from them uh fantastic menu uh, it's all beef hot dogs they've got vegetarian dogs you got gluten-free buns so those of you who uh, don't usually do the meat right you've got options out there steve's hot dogs stl.com is the website if you haven't yet had a chance to try them please do so uh that's gonna do it another show in the books my thanks to my guests Lee Rodriguez and Ramona Young. Check out season four of Never Have I Ever on Netflix as of June 8th. My thanks to Alex Segura. If you're listening, sir, I'll look forward to meeting you in person at Terrific Con. And for those of you who saw Across the Spider-Verse and sent me your information as well, I appreciate that. Max on Movies is up next, so stick around. Until next week, my friends. That's our show. This is Geek Tommy Radio. This is Geek to Me Radio. Thank you, Nouveau Earth. Good night. Hey, kids. Are your parents about to buy you a shiny new toy from Amazon? Hi, I'm Chucky. Wanna play? <laughs> well, don't be selfish. Share some of that money with us. Before going on Amazon, make sure to type in bit.ly slash geek to me in the web browser. It will look just like Amazon.com, except it'll say Referral geek to me Radio up top. And then when you check out, a tiny percentage will go to support the show without costing you one cent more. So before your parents get you that gizmo, gadget, or widget, make sure they type in bit.ly slash geek to me in the web browser. Bit.ly slash geek to me. Bit.ly slash geek to me.